Thank you. Then we're going to read what the Rebbe says. That's what you're speaking with. That's what the whole thing is about. Why mitzvahs that are time bound, the women are not obligated. There is many explanations and many arguments. One of the explanations is that women biologically, there is the time is in the bi biology. They know there is a, the, the period, the, 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 the cycle of their body tells them that time's pass. The whole idea, idea, one of the explanations of time-bound mitzvahs is to tell a person, to remind them, another day passed, don't waste your time. Every hour is important. There is a mitzvah for the morning, there is a mitzvah for the evening, there is a mitzvah for Shabbat, there is a mitzvah. Every, it's a, the idea that mitzvahs are constantly, the time is passing, you have to precious every minute. Women, because biologically they are connected to time, therefore they don't need reminders. That's one of the explanations. The other explanation is because they have so many other obligations, the Torah knew that the other obligations God knew is more important, like raising families and so on. But the bottom line is that's the, the, another mitzvah that women are not obligated, but if they want they can do it is, anybody has an idea? Davening. Davening, they are obligated at least once a day. Right. Davening is to pray to God. That's, that's, it's a whole discussion, but the bottom line, yes. Hmm. It's a rabbinic obligation. The whole prayers is a rabbinic obligation. But uh, the, the, the biblical obligation of prayers, that when you in need, you turn to God, that's women are obligated just as men. Um, for example, eating in the sukkah. Women are not obligated. If they want, when they do it, they do a mitzvah, but they're not obligated. Let's say it's raining. And really, if it's raining by Allah rule, you, you're not, uh, even men are not obligated, but men, when they sit in, uh, they, there is, uh, even when it's not raining, let's say there is a big crowd, and there is men and women in the house, that men should go in the sukkah because they are obligated. The women, it's optional. That's another myth, and there is some, and there is many others. We'll talk today about Hanukkah. Go ahead, continue. The Rebbe, women are obligated in the mitzvah of Hanukkah candles. The mitzvah of lighting Hanukkah candles obligates women as well. As the Talmud states, women are obligated to kindle Hanukkah candles because they were part of that miracle. Because they were part of this miracle. That's the reason why they, were, they made a miracle. And soon the gold class is going to be how women were in charge of this miracle and how they made this miracle. There are two elements to this. A, the decree was especially aimed against them, as Maimonides says. The Greeks stole their money and their women. Rashi also explains this. B, the salvation from the decree came about through a woman. For this reason, women are obligated to light the Hanukkah candles, even though it is a time-bound mitzvah from which women are usually exempt. Oh, and now we're going to read the story. Whoa, 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 you never heard the story. Why women are, what the... Part, the part of the women in the miracle of Hanukkah. Go ahead. Uh, source two. As Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi said, women are obligated in lighting the Hanukkah light as they too were included in that miracle. Rashi. We're in that miracle. Since the Greeks decreed upon all the women getting married that they must first cohabitate with the Greek officer, in addition, the miracle happened through a woman. Yeah, what happened was they made a law that a Jewish girl, before she gets married, the first night she has to spend with the governor. Then she can get married. 
Can you imagine how the Jewish people liked it? Then let's read no, source number three to bring the story in more details, what happened there, what the, what the Greeks, the Syrian Greeks did to the Jewish people during the time of, the, of this war. It was terrible decrease against the Jews and it was mainly aimed towards the religion. If you were ready to assimilate and become like everybody else, your life was not so bad. But if you want to observe your Judaism, you were in big trouble. It was the first religion war. Before Pharaoh enslaved the Jews, physically too, not just spiritually. Others, Amen, for example, was also, he, he wanted to destroy, the, to, to annihilate the Jewish people also, the bodies, not just the souls. The Greeks wanted to do one thing, they wanted to assimilate the Jewish people. There were, during this time, there were many Jews, they were called Mityavnim. They were Jews who joined the Greeks. Life was good. The culture was in the Greeks. They were smart. They were uh, educated. All the new invention were the Greeks were very, they invented everything. To, be, to belong to the Greek was very complimentary. Everybody wanted to be like them. If you look good in countries that the population of the country was less educated, the Jews less assimilated. In countries where the, where the, where the, where the population was very educated, the Jews assimilated much more. For example, the difference between Poland and Germany. The Jews in Poland didn't assimilate so much because it wasn't so exciting. In Germany, oh, to be like the Chochems in the, in the University of Berlin, to be this, like the scientists, to be like the, yeah, everybody wanted to be like them. That's where I assimilated. That was what was going on by the Greeks, just like in America today, that it's very complimentary to be a part of Hollywood and to be a part of, the, of uh, everything that's the high society of United States or in Germany before World War II. That was going on in the time of the Greeks. Germany had different laws as well than Poland, I think, when it comes to equality. The, you're right, you're right. But it goes together usually. Okay. Yeah, more educated society. Yeah, more educated society welcome the Jews because they are smart and the Jews want to be like them. It's, it's, it's a cycle that goes together, yeah. And that's what happened during communism. Everybody was equal, so to speak. Everybody was in drill, but everybody was equal. <laughs> but, uh, and th that's why the Jews wanted to assimilate, wanted to be good communists, yeah. The same thing. Let's read what happened there. Go ahead. The decrees of the Greeks. The sages taught, during the days of the wicked Greek empire, they decreed upon the Jewish people, one, anyone who has a bolt in his house should engrave on it that the haters of Israel, a euphemism for the Jews, have no share in the God of Israel. The Jewish people immediately went and uprooted the bolts from their houses. What's the bolt? The frame, right? What's the, what's the, the bolt the of the house? The door frame? Some, what, what is this? What, what is the bolt of the house? Mean? The bolt is a lock. The sliding lock and stuff. Uh -huh. Basically, it was something very uh, central in the houses. And then on this, everybody should write. Every Jew should write that he, that he, uh, he denies the God of Israel. That the Jews pulled it out. Basically, the Jews tried to survive. 
They try to get around it. Not to do it, but not, but not to fight with the, with the, with the, with the Greeks. What if it means cornerstone? Cornerstone? Could be, could be a cornerstone. Bariach. Bariach is like a door, a door, a door lock. Yeah. Like a bolt door lock? Yeah. Bolt lock. Yeah, the type of a bolt that you put in the door that doesn't, you cannot, but the key cannot be the key. You have to. That's a dead bolt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what they did. So it's kind of a dumb question, but like then if if you were a hater of Israel and you got to keep your bolt, then the Jews' houses were totally unlocked. Right. Yeah, the but a, a anything not to not to write clearly that yeah. they deny the belief, the belief of God. Okay, number two, it's only getting worse. Go ahead. They further decreed that everyone who owns an ox should write on its horn that the haters of Israel have no part in the God of Israel. You see, every time we won't write about the Jews, you don't write about the Jews. We write about the haters of Israel. It's a euphemism. We write about instead of write about the, they meant that the Jews should write. That they don't believe in God, but you don't. The, mid, the Midrash doesn't want to write that he puts it on the other guy. You understand? For example, the, the, in, in Judaism, this style of writing is a lot. For example, when somebody who is blind in Talmudic language, you call him, he has a very good eyesight. Opposite. We don't write the negative. Then here we write the haters of Israel. When you want to say many times in the in the Talmud that God wanted to destroy the Jewish people, we write God wanted to destroy the haters of Israel, the enemies of the Jews. But they really mean he wanted to destroy the Jews. You understand? The Jew, and so the Jewish people went and sold their oxen. Yeah, they sold the ox. If you have to write on your ox, it means to say they didn't want to deny God, but they didn't want to to uh, fight with the with the Greeks. That they tried to avoid any fights. Try to go between the between the, the the drops. I mean, to to survive. Number three, it's getting worse. They further decreed that the men should cohabitate with their wives while they were in a state of nida. The Jewish people went and separated from their wives. What happens is, that by Jewish law, a woman after a menstrual she has to go to the mikveh. What they did is simply they closed down all the mikvehs. What they did in Russia. If you don't mikveh, you cannot have children. That's what one of the explanations why the first plague <laughs> in Egypt was blood, because Pharaoh banded the Jews to go to the to bathe in the in the river because he knew that they're going to toil there for the mikveh and they will not they will not have a mikveh, they'll not have children, then everything will work. Then uh, the same thing here, they closed the mikvehs. In Russia, women used to go and break the ice. I knew a woman, she told a story, she once went to she was going to she was going to table in the in the river. Used to go, a man used to go and break the ice before. Then I, the women used to come later and table them. She said she came. It was a freezing, freezing night. Terrible. She looks, she looks, she looks. She said, "You know what? I'll tie tomorrow. I'm not going." She turns around. She sees another young woman is waiting. Far, and she'll finish. Said if she, if I'm going away, she's for sure going away. She table. This is unbelievable. My grandfather, for example, in his own house in the kitchen, he built a little mikveh, and he covered up it with pieces of wood, and used to open it, and it was the, the kitchen table was covering this up, and used to move the table. It was a whole operation there, but that's how they observed the mitzvah of mikveh. My mother and my grandmother, my mother told me the story many times. Then, uh, but this is what they did in, 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 uh, in, 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 uh, by in the Greeks did to the Jews in Israel. Number four. 
They further decreed that before anyone marries a woman, the woman must first cohabitate with the ruler and only then be given to her husband. Then basically, the Jews try to survive. They try to do the mitzvahs to observe it, but they didn't, were not ready for a war with the Greeks. Okay, you want to continue? Yes. If I am. Mm -hmm. The protests of the Maccabees sister. They practiced this for three years and eight months until the daughter of Yochanan the high priest was married. When they wanted to take her to that ruler, she exposed her head and tore her clothes in front of the people. Judah and his brothers were outraged by her conduct and they said, take her out to be burned. She then said to him, I would rather be humiliated in front of my brothers and friends than be humiliated in the eyes of this impure person that you wish to violate me by abandoning, abandoning me to lie. What happened is like this. Many Jews did not do weddings. If, if she has to go first to the governor, don't do it. You don't marry off. But for how long can this going on? Then they decided they'll deal with it. They should go in. Judah the Maccabee, everybody knows them, right? The trigger to the war of Judah the Maccabee was it was a wedding of his sister. In the middle of the wedding, she exposed herself in public. All the brothers were ready to kill her. She said, ah, I didn't do anything wrong and you're so holy. And you don't mind to take me now to the governor for the first night? That's okay with you, big tzaddikim. Holy people, huh? They listened to her and she said, they said to each other, she's right. We have to do something about it. They admitted that she's right. Go ahead. You want to continue? The beginning of the uprising. When Judah and his colleagues heard this, they conspired together to kill the ruler. They immediately dressed the young woman in royal clothing and made a canopy of myrtle from the Hasmonean house to the house of the ruler. There were harpists, fiddlers, and singers, and they sang and danced until they came to the ruler's house. When the ruler heard this, he said to his ministers and his servants, Look at these people, from the greatest of Israel and from the descendants of Aaron and the, Aaron the priest, how happy they are to do my will. They are worthy of great honor. He ordered his ministers and servants to leave. Judah and his companions entered the ruler's house with his sister, and they cut off his head and plundered all his belongings. They killed his ministers and servants and completely obliterated the Greeks, the Greeks, except for the main part of the kingdom. Then what is happening here, it was a plot. They made a parade, they're going to bring him with a parade. He was so excited, he was so honored. And he says, this, they were the, the Maccabees were Kohens. So the, the Kohens are considered within the Jewish people the highest, the most, uh, the highest level within the Jews. Not only this, because the Kohens very important, they, we have to know if for sure if somebody is a coin, if not, it's not a kosher coin. They are much more jealous, they are much more protective over their leniency, over their genealogy. Then if this important family is ready to submit their daughter, how, look how they, how, how they honor me. And they came in and all of his uh, guards were not around and they, and they, and they killed them. Okay, let this young man continue. You want to read? The Greek army goes into action. The Jewish people back in the city were trembling in fear for those Jewish men. A heavenly voice emerged and pro proclaimed, 
the young men who went to fight in Antiochus. Antiochus. Yeah. Antiochus. Yeah. One. One. Go ahead. The fighters returned and closed the gates and did penance and engaged in Torah and terrible deed. What happened is they, the Jewish people came back and the old Jewish people was basically prayed to God for, for they knew that there is a war now. That was the beginning of the war. You know, it's not, it's not a joke. Continue. Let your mother continue. When the king of the Greeks heard that the Jewish people killed his representative, he gathered his entire nation and laid siege to Jerusalem, causing the Jewish people to be very afraid. They came and they made a siege around Jerusalem. The, the, the Syrian Greek king came and he made a siege around Jerusalem. Then the cause for the war was a woman. She, one woman, woke up all the men and told them, don't be losers. Get up and fight. You're big talkers in shul. Go do something. Okay, but oh, now we're talking about the, the survival, how they bought the victory over the Jewish people. Continue, Judy the... You need to understand, it was a, a siege, a siege for many days. You know what happened by a siege. Jerusalem does not have anything on their own. The food comes from outside Jerusalem. Water comes from outside Jerusalem. Everything comes from outside Jerusalem. Then therefore, every siege around Jerusalem was a matter of time before the collapse. Because everything, all the sustainable things come from outside. Then they made a siege around Jerusalem, and it's getting worse and worse and worse, until Judy did something. Go ahead. I'm sorry. She said to the guards, let me go out. Perhaps God will do a miracle for me. They opened the gates for her, and she went out. She went before the king, and he said to her, What would you like? And she said, Master, I am a daughter of great Jewish people, and my brothers are prophets. I heard them prophesizing that tomorrow Jerusalem will fall into your hands. When the king heard this, he rejoiced greatly. The king believed Judith and fell in love with her and said to her, Would you like to marry me? She said to him, My lord the king, I am not worthy of even one of your servants, but since your heart is so inclined, make a proclamation throughout the camp that anyone who sees two women walking by the spring should not harm them, as I must go there to bathe and immerse myself. Immediately the proclamation was sent out, and that is what she did. The king followed by making a great feast, and the people drank and became inebriated. Okay, what happened is like this. Was a Judith was a very pretty woman, a beautiful woman, and she was a oh, she was a widow, and she to go out of Jerusalem. You have guards and, and the insides too. They allowed her to go out. The Jewish guards. She went there to the to the general, to the king, and she told them. He told them. She said, "Bring me to the king." There was a whole camp outside of Jerusalem from the enemy. She says, "I'm coming from my brothers, a prophet, and they prophesied that Jerusalem is being destroyed." And he saw she's such, oh, he was so excited about her. He says, I'm Basically, she, she came to him as a collaborator. She comes to tell him the good news. And he fell in love with her. And he says, will you marry me? She says, yes, but I have to go to Teufel. Then I have to go back and forth. 
tell all your, all your, all your uh, soldiers that they see me and my maidservant going together, they shouldn't touch me. He gave the order. And she came and he made a big party. That was the wedding night. Great. Okay, you want to continue? Fighting at the city gates, they each went to their tent and the king went to sleep. Judith followed him and took his, his sword, cut off his head and spread the sheet over it. She went with the king. She basically, after he had a good party and he drank a lot and probably did other things, she cut off his head, basically was sleeping so deep. Like just there is a story like this about Yael in the Bible, that she did it to Sisra. A similar story is, the, is this. She cut off his head, she wrapped it in a, in a sheet, and she went back to the borders. Go ahead. She went, to the, uh, she went with the king's head to the gates of Jerusalem and said, Open the gates for me, for Hashem already done a miracle through me. They said to her, is it not enough that you drilled yourself, defiled yourself, but you are coming to us with a conspiracy? Immediately she showed They were angry with her. You are going to marry the king and you're coming to tell us, Drake, to tell us stories about salvation? You're marrying the, the enemy? Immediately. Immediately she showed them the head of the king, and as soon as they saw it, and they opened the gate, they said Shema Israel. They, when they saw the head of the king, she screamed Shema Israel, and everybody got excited in the Jewish side. Continue. When the Greeks heard this, they said soon they will be coming for us. They went to the king and found him headless, and the ter terror and the fear fell upon them, and they all <coughs> left. The Jewish people pursued them and killed many of them. So many of the Almighty take revenge, and our enemies speedily, and grant us salvation, as it's written, and, it's, and a Redeemer shall come to Zion. Okay, what he says here, the moment the, the, the Greeks heard that there is a joy and excitement in the Jewish camp, and inside Jerusalem, they knew they're coming against them. They run to wake up the king, wake up the general. They come to wake him up, they find him dead. That they run all over. That that was the beginning of the salvation. That what you see in these two stories, the beginning of the war was through a woman, and the beginning of the salvation was through a woman. This, uh, that's why the mitzvah of Hanukkah, even it's a time-bound mitzvah, it's a mitzvah that, uh, that, that women, women, uh, are obligated. Open the window a little more. Yeah, perfect. Okay, you want to continue? Please. Now we're going to talk about the about the story. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. Why Hashem made that the whole thing came to women? Now starts our whole discussion. Are you allowed to, what are you allowed to do 
for means to say like this. If somebody comes and tells you, if you daven, we'll kill you. If you put on film, we'll kill you. Are you allowed to put on film and be killed? Or you, allow, or you have to not to, put film, not to put film on and save your life? We all know that there are three mitzvahs. You, are, you have to give your life. Rather die than, than do them. What are the three mitzvahs? Very good. One. Yes, with a married woman. Yeah. And to worship idols. These three things you rather choose that over disobeying God's law. Anything else that becomes a discussion, you're allowed to give your life for it. My father did not want to eat chometz and pesach when he was in Russia in the gulags in jail when he tried to escape to Israel and then they put him in Gulag. He almost died. Is he allowed to do it or not? It's a big discussion. My father did not have questions, but logically there's a discussion. Go ahead. Continue, please. Uh, who allowed them to risk their lives? First, we must address the question of the Jewish people risking their lives in the war against the Greeks. According to Jewish law, it seems that they were not obligated to risk their, their lives because the Greek any of the uh, cardinal sins which um, we are obligated to risk our lives to avoid violating. Yeah, and, 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 and what they said, they didn't tell them to, to do one of the three cardinal sins. Nobody asked them to worship idols. And one, who gave them permission to go to war? That's the question. Who gave the, the Jewish people, the Maccabees, uh, the permission to go to war and to be killed? For mitzvahs that you're not obligated to give your life for. Here we learn about the laws of Kiddush Hashem. So can I just ask a quick question? Yeah, sure. So right, that's one of the three were not being forced, but in essence they were trying to take away the Jews. They were trying to eliminate the religion. Oh, yeah, yeah, we're getting that, we're getting that. That's a good question. <laughs> I appreciate it, yeah. You want to continue? Oh, then the Jewish law is like this. If somebody tells you, if the government decided nobody should be, uh, should, everybody should be right and not a kippah, whatever. Not, but not because they want to fight Judaism. For whatever reason, they came up with a rule. They decided to, that for hygienes, or the, the, all the doctors came that circumcision is not allowed because it's bringing sicknesses, let's say. They have nothing to do with the religion part. Jewish law says you rather disobey the law and not die because God wants you to live. And if you die, according to Maimonides, you're, you're like you killed yourself, you're like committing suicide. You're not allowed to do it. You committed a sin, according to Maimonides, not everybody. 
things like this. But that's how my mind is things. Again, if it's a, an example of a government doing it not because they're fighting Judaism, just because they gave a rule to everybody, for whatever reason or no, there is a pandemic that spread because was because we are doing circumcisions. And we said nobody should doing this year circumcisions because well, it spread. They, in New York City, didn't they outlaw circumcision, or try to? Outlaw circum uh, circumcision, uh, not circumcision, they outlaw the a certain custom in the yeah, circumcision. Yeah, yeah. Try to do that. and many people said, if, we, if they, they said it because of, uh, not against religion, they said it because of, because of health like reasons. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. I'm yeah, just telling that's you. That's the point. Like, yeah. Oh, oh, we're getting there. We're getting close a little bit. A little bit. It's too cold now. I don't want everybody to suffer. Just a little bit. That's my life. The, the good enough. Right? You need a new thermostat. Yeah, the thermostat is outside. We have to reduce it, but I don't want to stop. I need the thermostat. Okay, then let's read a little bit about it. Continue. The aforementioned distinction between the three cardinal sins and the other mitzvot of the Torah only applies during regular times. However, in the time of religious persecution, when a wicked king issued a decree against the Jewish religion or one of its mitzvot, we are required to give our lives in order not to violate any of the mitzvot. It appears that the situation during the Hanukkah era fits the criteria for a period of religious persecution. Oh! Oh, finally! If the government is there to eradicate Judaism, you're allowed to give your life on any mitzvah. Because the agenda is to destroy Judaism. It doesn't make a difference which, which mitzvah is it. If they do it for their own reasons, for health reasons, for political reasons, for financial reasons, for whatever it is, it's there, then it's not against Jews. But if it's the whole agenda is to destroy Judaism, you have to give your life for any mitzvah, no matter what the mitzvah is. Obviously, the question is who is deciding how they do it if they are not proclaiming that it's against religious. You're right. So that's Some question. big rabbi should say, "Hey, this is against." Uh, for example, for example, you're right. It's a, it's a big. It's this. This is not such a simple thing. There was once the Poli the Ro Russian government or the Polish government decided. I think it was the Russian government. The Jews are not allowed to wear a kippah. And anybody will be caught wearing a kippah. What they did to them? They stick nails in his head around the keep around the kippah. It was terrible, Ouch. and it was an argument within within the Jewish leaders, <laughs> within the Jewish leaders, if the Jewish rabbis, if this is considered fighting Judaism, or just wear a hat. They didn't say don't wear a hat. Say wear a hat. Don't wear a kippah. Hmm. And the Tzemach Tzadik, the third Chabad rabbi, says it's not against religion. Wear a hat and move on. Don't start a religious war about it. Even could be that some moms are there in the government <coughs> had an agenda to get the Jews, but still, then this is not a... For example, when my father was sitting in jail, he didn't want to walk on Shabbat. It's not that they made it against Jews. Everybody walked on Shabbat. You don't want to walk on Shabbat, you're in trouble. If you don't walk on he got the same punishment if he wouldn't walk on Tuesday. You understand what I'm saying? <coughs> not eating chometz and Pesach. It's not, nobody created it. Yeah, they kept the matzah. This many times they've given the matzah that sent for mom after Pesach. You understand? But, but, what the eating goes not you don't eat. Nobody tells you or oh, don't eat. You can, you can use. Then it's not against religion. That's it's a very complicated business when it comes to these things. 
Well, well, there was a recent, was it France or some country said you can't have any head coverings? Not just you're right, any you're right. Still do. Right now in France, yes. No, but the, the religious Jews go with kippahs all over France. Yes, they do, but, but, but as, a, as a law, is it, in the law, the yeah, yeah. country is that you're not supposed to cover your what's, what's the reason? Because, because they want to get rid of the, of the Arab... They want, um, there is, there is socialism. I the question. Socialism. <laughs> so okay. Like this? Yeah. I mean, aren't we always... Doesn't someone always want to persecute the Jews in some way, shape, or form in modern times? Yeah, the question is, is it a religious what, what, thing right. that you have to kill yourself for it or not? That's the question. How when much? You when, worth when, when you rebel, when you go all the way, when you go all the way. No, no, when you are obligated to go all the way, that's the question. Many Jews, because they are zealots, as we're going to read, that you could go all the way, but when you are obligated to go all the way, when you are allowed to go all the way, it's a very complicated issue. You see, the Torah is... There is place for the zealots who want to give their life for Judaism, and there is place for people who are not ready to do it. And we don't make them enemies of the Jewish people because they're not ready to die for it. There is within the range of Jewish law, there is place for everyone. It's not like, oh, this man there, he doesn't care for Judaism. If he's not ready to do it, there is a place for him in the Torah. The Torah is made for everybody, not for 20 zealots. What about fight? What about not taking your own life, what about fighting back toward others? If they start with you, for yeah. sure you have to buy. Yeah, that's a myth to protect yourself, to defend your life. It's written if so. You know, they, they fought and they killed other yeah. people. I mean, so. Yeah, I mean to say, if somebody comes to attack you, absolutely, you don't wait until they'll kill you, and then you're going to kill them. It'll be a little late, a minute too late. You better do something before that. Okay, source number five. All the above. Distinctions only apply in times other than times of a decree. However, in times of a decree, when a wicked king like um, Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar or, or, uh, is like, will arise and issue a decree against the Jewish people to nullify their faith or one of the mitzvot, one should sacrifice one's life rather than transgress any of the other mitzvot. Uh, whether one is compelled to transgress uh, amidst ten Jews, or one is compelled to transgress merely um, amidst uh, Gentiles. We're not going to. The bottom line is, if the if the enemies are there to eradicate Judaism, you have to give your life for every mitzvah. Like communism, who wanted to eradicate the belief of God, you have to give your life for everything. I think so. Okay, continue. Yeah. Um, <coughs> willingness to die doesn't require active rebellion. Still, the Rebbe says, yeah, the, the Greeks were there to eradicate Judaism. But the question is, do you ever actively start to go to war? If they come to your house and force you to do something against God, fine. But what the Jews did? He told them to write on the horse. They sold the horses. The, 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 not the horses. Okay. The access. And, and the lack of the door, they, they try to avoid it. Who says you have to go to war? As long as I don't do the wrong thing, I don't, not say, it doesn't say anywhere you have to go to war. But there's still room <coughs> to question whether the Jewish people were obligated to go to, go, uh, to go to war over this. When the law states 
states, be killed and don't transgress. This means that if a person is being forced to violate a prohibition, he is obligated to give his life. But this doesn't seem to uh, mandate a launching of a war against the evil kingdom in order to abolish the decrees. We therefore require, ex require an explanation for why Jewish people <coughs> went to war against Greeks, risking their lives in a way that wasn't all that obligatory. It wasn't at all obligatory? All that. To go to war! You're obligated to observe the mitzvahs. If they come to you and tell you, you do it, or we'll kill you, you have to die. But they didn't. They, the Jews tried to avoid. They, they make a conclusion here that it wasn't at all uh, obligatory. I mean, oh. for what the decree Greeks did, it was some kind of... They were not obligated yeah. to go to war. By the way, without going into politics, this did the Jewish people the Zionist movement, 150 years ago, decided that they want the land just because they want the land to go to war is not so simple. You understand? Just something to think about. So, but the Greeks put a, you know, a statue of Zeus in the temple. So? So? Nobody I mean, forced the Jew to, to go to the temple and, and worship the Zeus. Hmm. It was going on for years, by the way. The temple was desolated for a good few years. Nothing was going on there. It was like a, a prostitution for, for Greek soldiers, a place of, it was a terrible place, situation then. But slowly they were trying to eradicate You're right. Judaism. Absolutely. So at what point do you say, like, enough is enough? Like, it's, like, it's like normal life. You can always find an excuse to do it or not to do You're it. You're absolutely right. Yes, 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 yes. When yes. you do it, rabbi. <laughs> no, when you do it slowly, That's then the people don't, don't rebel. I'll tell you, I'll tell you something. Little by little. It's very complimentary if you're ready to go to war. The question is you're obligated. For somebody to come, if I want to go, my father chose to give his life for Judaism, beautiful. But to walk into Shul and to say, all of you should fast eight days of Pesach and, and die, I don't care. Nobody's in comment. To demand for mothers to give their lives is a whole different story. You're a righteous Jew, you're a zealot, God bless you, beautiful. But to go to war, now you're taking, you're putting to risk everybody, you understand? <laughs> you're bringing the Greeks, you're putting the risk the people who don't want to go to war. So they haven't talked, I mean, this doesn't talk about that yet. We're coming there, we're coming there. It was out of the righteousness. They, they went out of the, what I need to say, they went the extra mile, they were not obligated. That's what the Rebbe wants to point out, that this war was not an obligatory war from a Jewish point of view, from a Lachic point of view. They did it because of love of God, and therefore they had miracles. When you go, the message here, before you lose the focus, the message here, if you go out of your way, more than you're obligated, God goes out of his way. When you do only what the Jewish law says, God says, oh, you're doing only what you must, I'll also do what I must. God is a reflection of you. He's a mirror. The way you, as much as you invest, that's what you get. First taste, it's like a marriage. So if, so if all the Jews at the time decided to just, well, they're going to die, there wouldn't be any Jews. I mean, it would be over. What do you mean? And if, if in this time when they said, well, they're forcing me to do all this stuff and they're taking my religion away, I'd rather die. Rabbi. Right? What are you saying? I don't know. First they take this, eventually we come to a point that... Uh, then, then you have to go to war. Well, when, when, when to draw the line, though? 
the three, the three, the three. No, the three, the doll, doll, the nine is. If they come to you and force you to do something against God, and you have no choice, and they tell you you die, or you do it. If it's they do it because you're a religious person, and they, let's say they come tell you, if you light the Hanukkah candles, we'll kill you. You have to choose to light the Hanukkah candles and not and not, and, and even if they kill you, right. choose to die. Right. Also, not according to every opinion. If they tell you to to to, to con convert to convert to Christianity or to to another religion, then you have to die and and uh, choose that over the conversion. But as long as it doesn't come to this, you do not obligate it. According to Maimonides, and even according to other opinions, that you are obligated only if they force you to do it. Or you are allowed to do it, and you're not obligated. So in that case, the only survivors would be, if they, if they force you to say, you're going you're gonna, to you have to be Catholic, or we're going to kill you. Right there on the spot. Yes. Do, do accept it now, or we shoot Yes. You? So they, 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 the, the ones who... The Everybody should die, yes. Die. Yes. So then there's, no, then there's no religion left. Are you worried for God? I'm sorry? You're worried for God there will be no Jews? No, I would be selfish. You're worried for, for God? <laughs> ah, for yourself. Good. It's good that you made the point. He's worried for God there will be no Jews. I, sure. You know, when the sun se uh, sets in one place of the world, it rises in the other place. Yes. There were Jews. God made one of the, f the favors that God did to the Jewish people that he spread them all over the world. When there, is, when there is a persecution in Russia, there is... Uh, in America, there is freedom, and so on and on, all over the world. And you never worried. The Jewish, I won't tell, I remember many years ago, I spoke about in the holidays. There was some, some survey came out 25 years ago that in 2050 will be no just in America, all this kind of, not, you know, the nonsense that comes out from time to time. And I, I spoke about that, and somebody came to me and told me, Rabbi, what's going to be to be no Jews? I told them, what do you want for me? I do my share. <laughs> <laughs> I need to say, and the message was, there will always be Jews. The question is if my children will be a part of it. That's the question. Jews will always be. There will be Jewish people, nothing to worry. You can sleep very tight. Everything will be good. There will be Jews. But the Jewish law is if you have to give your life, don't you, you really think that God will bring all the Jews to be killed? Will be not Jews, not one Jew left? God promised to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, and then there was other promises later in Jewish history that will be <coughs> Jewish people, will forever will be Jewish people. And you have nothing to worry about that, but that's the law. Yeah, if they, if they tell you, accept the other religion or die, you have to choose that. But this is the only place. Anything goes, you're not obligated. That's what I'm telling you. Okay, you want to read something? National Sanctity, the Rabbi Vian Reason. We can suggest the following explanation. During the Hanukkah period, there was a decree that targeted the purity of Jewish family life. This is a matter on which the sanctity of the Jewish people at that time and for all subsequent generations is dependent. Therefore, the Jewish people made no calculations about whether risking their lives was obligatory or not and embarked on a war beyond any rhyme or reason in order to protect and guarantee the sanctity of the Jewish people. You see, sometimes you don't go to ask the rabbi. Should I do it? If you ask the rabbi, it's already treif. You know, there's a, a thing in Yiddish, akasha is treif. If you ask a question. You're asking for excuse. Exactly. You're asking, I'm not going to tell you you should kill yourself. Absolutely not. Somebody came to me the other day and asked me this kind of a question. You're, 
should I drive because of my husband? So they want me to tell you you should drive for me to show because <laughs> came for this question? Now going to get my, the answer that you want to hear. What, what, what's with you? Then my uh, <laughs> on my head. I mean, <laughs> the point is there is certain things. I my father told me that when he was in, in jail, he didn't work on Shabbat. He paid years to go for five days. He got solitary confinement for five days for every day he didn't work on Shabbat. Saturday morning he didn't work. He used to go right to Saturday confinement. He was in Saturday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Thursday he comes out, works Thursday, Friday. Saturday again, Saturday confinement, two years. He was so sick he almost died in, the, in, the, in jail, in the hospital in jail. Was a Jewish doctor who took special interest in him and she said she'll save him no matter what and they saved him. Two years he did that every week. He told me, he told me that. He told me he, to look, he was able to see the food coming into his, when he ate, the water coming. That's how skinny he was. At the same time was another guy, was a, uh, another prisoner, a Jewish boy, who was a scholar. And he used to calculate what he's allowed to do on Shabbat, what is biblically not allowed, what is only a rabbinic law, what is only a tradition, and certain things he did and certain things he didn't do, because he was, he was a bigger scholar than my father. They didn't make calculations. My father was not such a big scholar. He didn't make any calculations. He didn't do it. That's what they are talking here. They didn't ask if they are obligated to give their lives. Because it was connected to the purity of the Jewish family. The purity of the Jewish family is the most important part of Jewish existence. It's the Jewish people. As you talk about the Jewish family, how important is it? And in general, I want to tell you that it's written in Kabbalah that a child that's born after mikveh is a healthier child. Not only this, if the mother goes to the mikveh once, even she doesn't have to, let's say, after she, after menstrual, she goes to the mikveh once, after it helps retroactively even. That's what the Rebbe once said. In any case, this is considered a very, very most important mitzvah. In this mitzvah, they didn't ask questions. They went all the way. Numbers, uh, source numbers, please continue. Maimonides is of the opinion that when the Talmud states that one should transgress and not be killed, it means that one must transgress so as not to be killed. But many other great authorities maintain that if the person allowed themselves to be killed rather than transgress, it is considered a righteous act. It seems that they explain the command, transgress and do not get killed, as mere permission to transgress, but not as a requirement. You are allowed to transgress, but you are allowed also to give your life. But you're not obligated, you see, even according to the other opinions. Continue. And it is written in the Nimuke Yosef that even according to Maimonides' opinion, a great and pious person who fears God and sees that the generation is completely disregarding the proposed transgression may sanctify God's name and sacrifice himself even for a simple mitzvah so that the people will see and learn to fear God and love him with all their hearts. If you see that nobody cares for the mitzvah and they have the excuse that the government doesn't allow it, let's say the government will not will bend bris, circumcision not for health reasons. The religious Jews are going to continue to breathe no matter what, even if, if, they, if, they, if they'll die. Why? Because, but, it's a, but it's, a, it's a voluntary mitzvah, you understand? We cannot require this level of commitment from everybody. The Torah is written for every Jew, not for the zealots only. There is space for everybody. 
But yeah, from a, from a righteous man, he's expected much more. Who decides if you're a righteous man? Only you. And that's why in many cases in Jewish history, righteousness came out in time of crisis. You saw people, you thought they are righteous every day of the year. They came to the crisis, they were not so righteous. And other people who didn't look so righteous and came to a crisis, they were the righteous people. You saw it in the Holocaust, you saw it, you saw it in every situation. Because you never know, even the person himself doesn't know how he will react in a time of crisis. Continue. The women inspired the men to rebel. Oh, going back to the women's story. This was achieved by the Jewish women of that generation. In addition to the Jewish women themselves resisting <coughs> the Greeks in non-obligatory self-sacrifice like the men, the Jewish women were the ones that inspired the men to feel the need for super-rational self-sacrifice and to rebel against the Greeks militarily. Since this unique form of self-sacrifice during the Hanukkah era, sacrifice beyond any reason was inspired by the Jewish women, they also merited that the miracle of salvation came about through a woman. See what that, what's happens here? While the men, Judah the Maccabee and his friend, were sitting and opening the books and quetching, do we have to really give our life for this? Or maybe not? You see the sister got up and says, what is wrong with you guys? Do something. She woke up the men, the woman, Woke up the men, and it's not, it's like Purim. The same thing why women are obligated in hearing the Megillah, because even it's a time-bound mitzvah, because Esther was the one who saved the Jewish people. She risked the life. And she told Mordechai, fast for three days and three nights. Also, Mordechai was not ready. You know what Mordechai told her? It was, it was Pesach. It was the Seder night. When she said to fast for three days, it was right in Pesach. So, but you have to do a Seder. She told them, old rabbi, don't you understand if you are not fasting this year, will be nobody to do a seder next year? Will be no Jews. Then again, a woman stood up and shook up the leader of the Jewish people. She told them, do something. That's why, because they inspired the Jews to go to war, God made that the woman should be the one to bring the, the salvation of the Jewish people, Judy, to put the salvation of the Jewish people. And Miriam did that with Moses' father. Miriam did it with Moses' father, yes. Yeah, the famous story that Moses' father, when, they, when the decree came out that they'll throw all the Jewish babies into the river, Jewish boys. Amra, Moses' father, divorced his wife, you have it. He says, what, what's the point? To have children for what? He had a daughter, five years old, Miriam. She told him, you are worse than Pharaoh. She told him, Pharaoh decreed only boys to kill. By divorcing your wife and all the Jewish people who follow suit, there will be no boys and no girls. Number one. Number two, Pharaoh might die tomorrow. Until the Jews will marry, marry them. <laughs> he listened to her, and he remarried, and she told them, I have a feeling, I have a prophecy. She had a, uh, then the, uh, in, mom will give birth to the redeemer of the Jewish people. He remarried his wife, and Moses was born. And what, who made it? <coughs> Miriam. Then throughout Jewish history, the women were the one who inspired the men to do the right things. That's why God told Sarah Abraham, always that Sarah tells you, listen to him. That's my explanation. <laughs> Continue. Supernatural reward for super rational sacrifice. As the Jewish people acted with self-sacrifice beyond reason, God rewarded them measure for measure beyond nature. There were two supernatural elements in the story. A, the military victory over the Greeks, 
was supernatural, and B, the finding of the jug of pure oil and the subsequent miracle that the oil lasted for eight days. Okay, they were, the miracles that took place in Hanukkah were above logic completely, even more than Purim. There was a natural miracle and an above natural miracle. What do I mean with that? The winning the war, a few against many, right? Are you cold? Anybody's cold? Oh, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want people to suffer because of me. Um, the, the, there, is, there is a natural miracle. What does this mean? The Greeks, the Maccabees went to war. A few against many. A miracle, but still they went to war. You can say they went on this way, they did this way, they, they, they were smarter, they, they were ambushing them. You can, you can, it's within nature, it's covered by nature, it's dressed by nature. It's not open miracle. The miracle of the oil is an open miracle. Then God treated the Jews with open miracles. Things that, as we're going to learn why, that they, they were not needed these miracles, because they just, the Jews went out of the way, something they were not, they were not obligated, God did for them things they were not obligated to, as we're going to learn in a minute. Go ahead. Why was pure oil needed? Oh. That's a very important question. Go ahead. There is a question that needs to be addressed regarding the oil. The law is that impurity is allowed for the public, meaning that when the public as a whole is impure, their state of impurity can be ignored and they may go about the regular temple service. If so, the Jewish people should have been allowed to kindle the menorah using impure oil and shouldn't have needed the miracle of finding the one pure jug. Okay. You know, there's a famous story. They found one little bottle of pure oil, and they, they came into the temple after they won the war. They wanted to light the menorah. They came in, and they looked for pure oil, and they found one little bottle sealed with the sealer of the high priest. That means nobody ever opened it, nobody ever touched it. It was still sealed. And they opened it, and this oil was enough for one night, and the miracle took place and, worked for eight, and was burning for eight nights. There were two miracles here. First of all, finding a bottle of oil, of pure oil, after so many years that the temple was desolated, and that the oil was enough for eight days until they were able to, pure, to produce new, new pure oil. The question is, who needed pure oil? Jewish law said that if you, the whole community is impure, it was a situation of the, everybody was impure at that time. After many years, there was no sprinkling of the red effort. They were impure. Everybody, you're allowed to light them in oil with impure oil. But no need so miracle. Why should God go out of his way to make miracles that are not needed? You can light the menorah with impure oil. Continue, so seven. What is Hanukkah? The sages taught the Greeks defiled all the oils that were in the sanctuary. The Jews searched and found only one jug of oil. A miracle occurred, etc. Seemingly, one must wonder, why was the trouble of the miracle necessary? It is an established law that impurity is allowed for the public, and they could have kindled the manure with impure oil. Yeah, that's a question. Continue. Um, Phil. You know, Phil. The Rebbe. The explanation is that God rewarded the Jewish people measure for measure. Since they had self-sacrificed beyond the letter of the law, God rewarded them with the miracle of finding a jug of pure oil that miraculously lasted for eight days. This was also beyond the letter of the law, as strictly speaking, it would have been permissible to use impure oil under the circumstances. Because the Jews, the Jewish people did something they were not obligated. God helped them to do the mitzvah in the best way, even they are not obligated. 
They could do the, the, the you can do the mitzvah in this level, you can do the mitzvah on a higher level, and even a higher level. And Hashem helps you as much as you want to be helped, you understand? If it's important to me, Hashem will help me. But Hashem looks at me and says, if it's not important to you, mister, why should I go out of my way? Because the Jews went out of the way and went to war for mitzvahs that are not obligated. God wanted to give them the opportunity to do mitzvah on the highest level, to light candles with pure oil. And a, two, a double miracle, first of all, to find such a, a jug of oil. And miracle number two, the biggest miracle, that the oil burned for eight days, it's a miracle that nobody can deny. Oil that was enough, it's not a miracle you can give an explanation, you know, naturally they were this and they were smarter, they went on this side and they came from this. This is an open miracle. Continue. Okay. You, want, you want to give him? Go, go, finish, finish. No compromise on national security. There is a lesson here for every Jew. In matters pertaining to the sanctuary of the Jewish people, we shouldn't only do what we are allowed to, to be yes. and obligated to do by the letter of the law. Um, we must exert ourselves and act with super rational self-sacrifice. Beyond the letter of the law, God would God will reward us. God will reward us measure for measure and bless us with great abundance in our ma material and spiritual affairs. Even when a even when a more measure blessing would love suffer. Says what the, the bottom line is the lesson is that when you give your life on spiritual and the Jewish sanctity, God will measure will reward you measure for measure. And that's true about everything in life today. And when you when the mitzvah is very important to you, God will help you to accomplish it. Thank you all for joining. And happy Hanukkah.